1: I, Charles Fourth. Oh, is it the third? Bloody We will strive for the deaccipitation of the crew. Let
2: me put it to you, Justin Yes. If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the
1: side
2: of the phone. It is time to destroy the country. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question that, All the world is asking what the fuck is going on on? well my lovely guest on the podcast last week was caroline quentin and uh, given that we're of a certain age we just couldn't stop chatting and so as the world of modern technology is such as it is we've just put it all out as part of a show and you can listen to it if you wish, the whole thing. If, it's, if you find it tedious, you can turn it off. And you're perfectly within your rights to do that. You know, it, it wouldn't be if I was in my rightful place as benign dictator. I, the benign bit would be gone by now. And I would have soldiers checking to see who had turned it off halfway through. And uh, depending on how long you would listened to it before it went off, that would determine your punishment. I'm not in that position. So you can just do whatever you want with it. So uh, here it is, Caroline Quentin. She's lovely. Now, every week I say what is obvious that we all know this. You can't work out what the fuck is going on with that expert advice. And then I introduce someone and they're not experts and I have to pretend they are. But not this week. We're going to find out one of the many things that she is an expert on. Caroline Quentin.
1: (laughs) I'm an expert on so many things. It's it's terrifying. I'm I'm looking forward to you delving down into my expertise barrel.
2: Oh, so many things. We could go anywhere. Uh, aeronautical engineering.
1: Yeah, and you're uh, as much uh, as I used to, because I'm too busy. <laughs> um, you know doing gardening
2: well the history of the incas yeah world number three uh world number three in the tennis um rankings I up was, to recently yeah.
1: i know it's incredible it's what's what's interesting is i've had such a rich and varied life and i have i've gleaned so much about so many things and yet oddly this morning i can't remember <laughs> <anything> <laughs> at all. no
2: no but well, that's part i like to think that that's probably our audience a podcast done by people our age we there's no point in us going here's a load of things that we think that you might be interested in it we're, we want to be in touch with our audience by going what was the who was that
1: <laughs> no oh
2: caroline who was the?
1: oh god i mean they, they, that they, fucking bloke what, who was it <laughs> got the right people for that <laughs> we recently for lunch <laughs> I mean, it was the whole meal consisted of us going Do you remember that really funny bloke who used to play the um oh, what was the club um
2: oh, yes what
1: was it him with
2: the clarinet
1: <laughs> was, was it an oboe no
2: <laughs> no the oboe that was mr um oh, yeah that was thing oh that that was mr spunktastic and his uh
1: <laughs> and his bubbles uh,
2: and these bubbles yeah. and they come out of an oboe. Do you I remember mean, I that? Think,
1: I think we're the right people to, to, be, to be doing this because I don't even know my own name most mornings. Well,
2: because terrible because, you know, because I've had sort of various health issues in recent months. Every now and again, I forget something. And then I think, oh, no, is that is that has the cancer gone to the bit that controls me? And then I think, no, it was about five years since I could happily remember more than three things at once
1: do yeah i mean i think i think we all we all think oh i can't i can't remember that because of my age my illness my bladder mm. leakage my you know my chest <laughs> infection my you know my family <laughs> drama whatever and the truth of the matter is we're just living life and it's true of everybody now the trouble is we're so overstimulated that's i do yes. think there's an issue with that i think you know Wherever you go, there's a screen pointing at you. There's, you know, people say, to you, oh, have you seen that new series? And you think, oh, mm. about 35 different series I'm meant to, books I'm meant to be reading, series I'm meant to be watching, you know, um, uh, languages I'm meant to be doing, yoga I should be, you know. I mean, it's the end.
2: Oh, yeah, you don't want to get all them confused. No, there's a new thing where Martin Scorsese has written this new thing up where, you stretch, where you have to do a sort of downward dog pose. Yeah. And – and, and and is is that it? And it's the um and it's the new Oh, I'm trying to think of some new what's the new series? You
1: mean Martin um, Scorsese? The film director, no, Martin Scorsese.
2: No, the yoga instructor. Which one's the yoga instructor? i <laughs> joking. What was the good what was Goodfellas? Was that yoga or was that a television series where they had to go around and buy a house in Italy?
1: Oh, um Oh
2: You were probably in it.
1: I I I I, yeah, I think I might have been, but I don't recall it now. (laughs) I think, I think I played an Italian mobster and I was in the position of a dog. Is that right?
2: That'd be it. That'd be it. That was me. You've been in everything. You were in Midsummer Murders, weren't
1: you? I knew I was. I met, I, you know, I've been knocking around in this industry for four and a half million years and I'd never worked with or met Adrian Edmondson and then I got cast as his wife and it was Mm. really nice I'd never met him and I've always thought oh I'd like I wonder what he's like I bet he's three and then I got cast as Mrs. Woman in this um in a (laughs) midsummer murders and um and I spent, you know, like a couple of weeks in a obviously a big posh country house because that's you know mandatory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's where
2: all that's where all modern murders take place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, with with Adrian Emerson. So that was really fun. That was directed by our old friend Audrey Cook as well.
2: Oh, how brilliant! Yeah. Uh, uh, brilliant well that must be brilliant to get if you're an actor and you, you're at a certain point where you just sort of it's almost like meeting up with old mates and you think oh what am i in now oh it's casualty which one of us has broken a spine and which one of us is the surgeon <laughs>
1: but it is like that it, at mm. the moment i'm i suddenly realized the other day i went to see a play at the, um at the national the other night it's a really really good play actually it's called till the stars come down and if if you get a chance to go and see it goes it. it's one some of the best bit of writing it's by best deal um uh, really wonderful i don't remember where she's from actually sorry i digress anyway I went to see it and um i suddenly thought oh i, I know them i've worked with them i, I know mm. I've worked with their son i you know their daughter's an up and coming designer at you know, ch- you know and it's the world becomes much much smaller as you get older because of course you know i have i have worked with a lot of a lot of people
2: well, once you could, I remember seeing an Icelandic comic who was. Uh, and I'm fascinated by, by Iceland. I'm not quite sure why. And he had a line. <laughs> I remember I thought it was really funny when he said, uh, "The dramas we have, um, they just don't work in Iceland because Iceland's so small and you and everybody knows the people. So you're watching an Icelandic detective story and you think." Well that detective I wouldn't trust him to solve a murder. I lent him a tenner once and I didn't see him for 5 months.
1: That is midsummer. <laughs> Basically Iceland is midsummer. Everybody's the detective and everybody gets murdered and you run out of people and you start reusing the same actors again. Have you noticed that in other things? As yeah,
2: you? I to be honest Caroline, all those sorts of murder programs I just can't get over. I know you're supposed to. I can't get over the the implausibility of the fact that in this village where the last murder probably took place as part of the english civil war there are in fact 11 murders a week and also that when when the murder happens three minutes later the husband of the person the woman murdered is actually perfectly all right and goes well the thing is detective i can't understand why she went out on a friday because she and i (laughs) and and the and the detectives are saying things like there's something that I don't quite understand that doesn't quite add up she said that she was growing basil but you wouldn't normally grow basil until the 3rd week of may and so and in fact the uh, the truth of the Police, when they come around to any crime, is the fucking dead person could be in front of them with the person with a knife in their hand and they go, Well, we don't normally tend to find whoever the culprit is in these things. So you can, I'll give you a, a crime number so you can claim on the insurance. And the person could be going, But I am the murderer yeah well there's they all, all the say that like and it-
1: about it. you see those of us that like those programs they're all the things we like they're massively comforting and they require you do have mm. to switch off that critical part of your brain obviously for the for the half an hour 40 minutes it's on but it's there's a great comfort in just you know in a world oh, yeah. that is cruel and and fast moving and terrifying and you know my, my daughter lives in central London and she literally had to go through, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the blue and white cordon, you know, murder thing to get to her front door the other day. You know, mm. when that's in the real world where that's happening, it's quite nice to see somebody saying, well, what is that shining underneath that chair? It's the blade. You
2: know, it's like I, I quite like that. I like you know Oh yeah. The I'd like Dallas. to do one. Yeah. What do you reckon on this? Yeah. I'd like to do a spin-off of Midsummer Murders called yeah. Midwicket Murders. Yeah. With a about a cricketing detective and uh called the Midwicket Murders. And every every week he's just about to play for his his <laughs> village side, you know. And then someone says, uh, Sir, there's there's been a murder at the Vicarage, but I'm due to go into bat in forty minutes. Uh, I'm afraid it's important, sir. Oh, and then there's a... a and then there's this, a. Is he always in his
1: whites? Is he always in his whites? Yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. that's his shtick is that he's always yeah, in yeah, his yeah. whites, and he's always, you know, there's maybe, maybe is it kind of one of those things where, I mean, I do you love cricket? Is that your thing?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh
1: right, I don't, I don't know much about cricket. In fact, the only cricket I've ever watched is those shit games that you used to play with the comics. Yeah, yeah. That terrible. Yeah. yeah, really awful. Well, yeah,
2: well, we will do one. We do I mean, We will sell this off, and we can, and I we can send this off and p- pitch it. So you're, you've just, uh, you're the.
1: Right. I, do, I, do the, I do the teas. I'm the lady that does the teas. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. They still do cricket teas. Is that still a thing?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely a central yeah. part so of I'll the. Do that. Yeah.
1: And, and I, but also, what's brilliant about me is that in my previous life, I um, worked in forensics, so I know a lot about. <laughs> I know a lot. Of, I know a lot about blood stains. So I do the teas, but I also have this massive skill set from my previous life. And so, okay. even though I'm annoying to everybody because mm. you know I'm just a of woman in Pavilion, I also they always have to come to me in the end and go, "All right, tell us what you know. What was that? A, was that in a you know, blood stain?" Okay.
2: Yeah. All right then. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Prendergast. <laughs>
1: that
2: looks like an absolutely. That looks like an absolutely lovely sponge cake. Did you make it yourself?
1: I did, my dear. I, I, I got it out of the oven this only this morning, so it's still warm. And I hope oh. you enjoy it. I think it's going to be do- What's that? <laughs> What's that noise? I don't. Something's happened on the pitch.
2: Well, something's usually happened. <laughs> no, in our luck, it's the opening bat at LBW in the first over. But uh, more to the point, Mrs Prendergast, I think... I think the wicket keeper from North homewood second eleven is really going to enjoy some of the uh some of the marzipan on that cake
1: I hope he does I think it, i when, I knew him when he was a boy you know um he was oh. a strange kid always always rather odd always hanging around the big house looking through windows at things he shouldn't <sighs> oh yeah <eat. laughs>
2: yeah that's our opening uh, scene.
1: That's our opening scene. It's it's rough. It's rough. Then we
2: discover a murder. Then then yeah. and then discover a murder. And then I come back to you. Yeah. Because um because there's something. Oh, there was just something that's been troubling me, Mrs. Prendergast. Yes, my dear. Old uh, old old Tubby Watkins, who's uh, got an average of twenty four this season, going in back at number four. He said that for the first time as he can remember. His egg and Chris' sandwich had some rather substandard crest that didn't reach the crusts. Do you know anything about
1: that? Do you know, my dear? It's odd that you should mention that because those sandwiches also had a rather gritty texture. I was concerned about it. And it was only when Hillary from the corner shop went into a dead faint that I realised something was up. I don't want to say broken glass to you, ground-up glass. I don't want to, but I fear I may have to.
2: Well, I was going to ask you, Mrs Prendergast, because the other thing that I found, which is quite unusual for one of our second 11 matches, was a severed head in the fridge.
1: Oh, I wondered what I'd done with that. I feel so foolish now. I'm an absolute idiot. I said to Simon i do with that uh, that head and he said i the last time i saw you you had a string shopping bag and there was something bouncing about in it and i think maybe it was that i must have put it in there i have no idea whose head that is my dear
2: mm. Right, well, now it's time for the adverts, and then you have a worried look.
1: They'll be doing stair lifts. They'll be selling us mobility scooters. <laughs> uh, with, a <laughs> with a really downward inflection.
2: Mobility I don't know scooters. if I've, I've ever mentioned this before on this podcast, but I, this is a little cricket story you might you don't need a great deal of cricket knowledge to, uh, uh, to necessarily appreciate. So I was playing in this match. Yeah. I was out, not very happy. The other team... Add an umpire. So each team provides an umpire, and you have to rely on the fact that you're you're not sort of you don't cheat and, you, and stuff, you know, you're you are fair. So this other bloke, usually the umpire, everyone's friendly, but this bloke was as grumpy a bloke as you could have as a grumpy about seventy had this everything about scowl, scowl, scowl. And just after I was out, the person who'd taken my place. Hit the ball really hard, straight into the umpire's leg, the grumpy umpire's leg, and this bloke absolutely howled. It was like a a hyena. Oh, it was a terrible noise, but quite amusing. And about three people had to hobble him off, and he came and sat next to me, and we had to get a replacement umpire. And this bloke... And he put, he was grumpy at start with. He put his leg up on the table and he rolled his trouser leg up. And there was a big lump that you could see the sort of cricket ball scene. <laughs> so I went indoors to the sort of equivalent of Mrs. Prendergast, <laughs> <laughs> And there was a woman there who was making the teas and, uh, there was a bar there and everything. And I said, uh, have you got any ice? And she just totally ignored me. I said, can you have <laughs> some ice? And you could hear, oh, outside. And she just ignored, she said, no. And I could see a big ice bucket there. And I said, there's an ice bucket there. She says, no ice in it. I said, well, anything, you know, frozen peas, anything? Nope. Oh, and I said, oh, we just need to, he's oh, the ball in his leg is in terrible pain. And she went, oh, for God's sake. And she went over to the ice bucket. It was full of ice. And she got a tea towel and gave us some ice. I thought, what was her problem? And she thrust it in my hand really angry. And she went, he's my, my ex-husband. I've no bloody sympathy. <laughs>
1: Good. You see, that's so satisfying, isn't it? He's a grumpy old shit and he got his comeuppance. And she had the power to deny him any sort of relief. That's so crazy. She probably had waited about 40 years for that moment. But she wasn't going to let you take it away from her too easily. I love that. No ice. Nothing for him.
2: Now. We've got important things to discuss, haven't we? First of all, I mean, because yeah, you know, given that um, I, I think even people listen to this podcast and it's and it's got my name on it, probably halfway through go, who's that bloke? But uh, I, I would imagine. So I'm Mark Steele. and Caroline. What? Uh, oh well, what have you been in a part? Well, obviously, remember Badly and uh, Jonathan Creek and
1: yeah, um, Blue Murder. And oh yeah. midsummer murders and oh my god i'm dancing on the edge i've done it depends i've done lots oh you went up
2: and down of, india didn't you
1: yeah been round india been round the national parks been round uh your house been round. Uh, i've done lots of sort of presenting and what would people know me from Pro- most people probably know me from behaving badly but but a lot of and a whole other tranche of people who didn't really watch that. Watched Jonathan Creek, which I did for years, mm. and and then um, and then latterly I'm I'm in a big series for Sky called Lazarus, which is a big science fiction. So I've got oh, I've suddenly meeting people who are interested in science fiction. Which, by the way, oh so I've
2: not seen film. that. That's better. Yeah, it's
1: on Sky. It's really amazing. Actually, it's written by Joe Barton, and it's about a group of people that uh, work for a secret organisation that have the power to turn back time. And I'm the boss, and which is ludicrous in itself. Um, I'm suddenly meeting science fiction people who really know about it and really love it and really like that series. So that's been a nice change for me, A, to play someone with authority and B, um, to, to someone who knows about black holes and about how to turn back oh, time. Yeah,
2: I think you ooze authority and I think black holes was always one of your... One of your strong points.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, it's finally been recognised by, by Sky Television. So, yeah, I did, Lazarus is what I've done for the last couple of years and still doing theatre and, you know, I was at the National. Um, I very proudly got... You did daughter. a
2: play with your daughter, didn't you? I
1: did, yeah. I did um, I did a play um, at the German Street Theatre with my daughter about um, Emma Hamilton, a uh, mistress. Mm-hmm. Of
2: Nelson. Nelson.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, played- I can't
2: imagine. I think that's very bad parenting if your if um, sons and daughters end up doing the same sort of entertainment path as yourself.
1: It's awful. I but can't you, imagine that. It's really difficult because they're on stage <laughs> and I was playing fat old Emma and she was playing young pretty Emma. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is ouchy on so many levels. Um, but it was actually, it was. I mean, you know, my boy who's at Leeds studying politics and religion – um, is is not obviously going, not interested in show business at all. And when it was suggested to him, as he, he's definitely the funniest and cleverest of all of us, um, we said, "Do you want to? were you interested in showbiz? Maybe?" I thought he might be a stand up. Actually, that was what I was thinking. He's right. he, he's very funny. He just said, "Don't be ridiculous. I want to make a living." <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to do <laughs> politics. He's not silly. What the fuck is going on? <sighs> uh, mm
2: my son, the moment where I thought my son probably would would yeah. go into stand up, there were two little two little moments. One was he was about eight, yeah, and uh, the the draw for the World Cup was on, and he, by then he was already a really big fan of football. And I said, "Do you want to come watch the draw for the World Cup? See you England get?" And he went, "No." I said, "Why not?" He said, doesn't make any difference?" He said, "Even if we get drawn against Easter Island, we'd lose to the statues." And he was he was eight, and I thought, all yeah. oh, right, here we it's go. What
1: you do? know, don't you like my daughter Rose? She <laughs> was five when she did a school play, and she walked on. And my mum was still alive at the time. She walked on, and she there was a really a bad first opening gag. She was playing David who killed Goliath, and she did her she did her first gag. And it got a massive laugh, and my mother turned to <laughs> me and went, "Oh God, we've got another one." <laughs> <laughs> You've got a yeah.
2: First laugh, fatal. Get your first laugh. It's it's it's, a it's trouble, isn't it? Yeah. called. To also, I think if someone's around that world, where so it, obviously because you know, Elliot had been around a world where people talk in comic language, so someone, someone came, it, someone said to me uh, mistakenly, they said, "Oh, my friend had a terrible time, got stuck on the motorway, and had to call the RSC." right? <laughs> and- <laughs> And I said, oh, they called the RSC. When they got there, they, did they say, ah, yonder problem be that thine spark plug, it produceth not, the, you know, and all that, like you would do. Yeah. Indeed, methinks that if exhaust pipe doth from, you know, for, so all of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then… Elliot was about 14 at the time. And I said, say the same thing to Elliot. And I bet he does the same thing because that's just the way that 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 comic mind would work. And, of course, he did. As soon as he said, oh, yeah, he had had to call the RSC. And he was going, oh, the RSC, (laughs) did they come round and go, me (laughs) me thinks, me lord, that that the fuel pipe provideth not the combustion. Exactly. Because, of course, of course she would.
1: Because in a way, it's people always say about my daughter, you know, what you know, why has she gone into the same thing? And it's partly that inherited sort of you know that 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 being around it you know enjoying it like you know because i mean you know we, it's, there's no doubt about it you know being in show business in any form or another is really good fun you know it just is good fun it's m- much much better than than hanging about in an office or anything like that i mean it has obviously it's you know there's a downside which is half the time you won't be working and you know the other half you know you'll be Away from home or whatever that might be, but there is there's such a joy sitting in a well. You know, I mean, I remember the old days at the comedy store, and I remember um, I, I used to do the comedy store players, the improv stuff there, and and just hanging out with comics and actors and all that is, you know, of course they want to do it. It's delicious. It's funny. It's enjoyable. Yeah. You know,
2: and it's it's chaotic, and it's yes. and it's and also in your twenties. I, mean, I I spent a lot of my twenties sort of revolving around the comedy store. And it was wild, and it had ended at 2 in the morning, and and then we'd go to the snooker club yes. and, and get a beer till 5 in the morning, and that was your life and stuff. That wasn't sort of apart from that was your working up yeah, yeah, And yeah. Like just a couple of years before that, when I was working in this office at London Transport, and this is the moment where I just thought, I can't, I'm just not capable of being here, was this, the very sweet people, Bob and Connie, and they worked behind me, but they were both sort of, my memory of them is that they were about 80, but they were probably 20 years younger <laughs> than I am now. And uh, and they would say, uh, Connie would go, oh, Bob, well, last night the phone rang and I looked at Ted and he looked at me and we looked at the clock and it was quarter to nine and we said, well, who on earth's calling at this time of night? And oh, my goodness, don't call at quarter to nine. And I was thinking really at quarter to two i was in my squat where a satanist was going berserk with an axe and i
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a quiet night <laughs> I know, <it> was just. <laughs> but it was i mean i don't know what it's like now out there in the world's comedy and stuff like that i mean i met you um i mean i knew you around those times but i i, I think i have to say this now publicly it's valentine's day um today it's valentine's and you were my you were my big crush. I just I remember um, my friend- Oh for fuck's sake, so why didn't you tell me? <laughs> well you just don't, do you? You don't do that. But you were my big crush. And I went back to my friend Caroline Gruber and I was sharing flat in Edinburgh. And she, I said, Where have you been? She said, Oh, I've I've been out, you know, with um is it Chris Lynham and people like that? And she said Mark Steel was there. And I said, Oh my God, the devilishly handsome Mark Steele. Is that what Steele? you said? I did. And it's and forevermore, you have now, for the last 40 years whatever, you've always been to me and my friend Caroline Gruber, you have always been <laughs> the devilishly handsome Mark Steele. Mm. And I loved you. And I just you know what it's like? What? 40 years
2: wasted.
1: I know. I listen, it's 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 tragic. That's crazy. like some
2: really sad. Novel, Ian e. Forster, or some sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all being revealed now. Too late when mm. life has, you know, what is it? Um, remains of the day. It's like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Exactly. The remain, remains of the day. Of your, I'm Anthony Hopkins in that, aren't I?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I know it was, but it was. Uh, it, it's what I also really like about being lucky enough to have lived. You know, long
2: life. Oh, sorry for you. Just say that you would. Oh, imagine the life you'd have had what this last you? six months, for example you'd have been going backwards and forwards to UCLH
1: <laughs> to take me
2: to radiotherapy. You with
1: Your lack of saliva. Yeah. Oh, Mark. oh so, yeah, oh, go I'm on. on. I'm so, no, no, just, yeah, I'm thinking about it now. And it's, it's made it even more painful to, that it did. <laughs> <laughs> so I love UCLH. this <laughs> is one of the great hospitals. I just, I, mm. I, and I know you've had, I mean, your health's been pretty bad, hasn't it? Um,
2: yeah it's not been it's it's not been its best they go there's a sort of funny thing that people people say that and I know they'd be very kind and they go well out, how are you you know just and then it's very hard not to go well I'm I'm all right apart from the cancer and then but the thing is the people in the hospital say it so i'm I'm there we've not just sort of gone in as a yeah you know, like like someone doing a Christmas television thing. Hi, I'm here at UCLH, and let's go and round the wards. I'm there because I'm there for an appointment to do with this condition. And they go, and how are you today? And I, it's okay. Well, I'm I'm all right apart from the cancer. But actually, I might not have cancer now. I mean, it's it's well, I probably haven't. It's gone now. They've zapped it all out, and I feel. No, yeah, I'll just ask yeah. you
1: this quickly. I just mm. I mean, you might not want to talk about this endlessly, but I'm just really fascinated to how it how did you know that you had it?
2: Uh because the uh well, the moment I found out was when the, the there's very, there's two phases, and I think everyone I've spoken to with this with this particular ailment uh will say something similar. There's the point up until which you know you have cancer, that's chaos and quite frightening and things get lost and forms get lost and everything seems to be chaos. And I went to one scan and they, they said, we filled in your name and address. And they'd actually filled in Elliot, my son's details. And I said, this is El- Elliot. And they went, all right. And I said, did you not think when it says date of birth, 1996, I'm very looking flattered. Man.
1: You're a good-looking man. But, I'm as
2: definitely handsome as I am. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: It was quite a stretch to think I'm 27. Oh, right. Everything was chaos. They lost the biopsy, everything. They lost it. And in uh, fact, <clears throat> I said, I, <laughs> I was. I've written a thing, so I said, I think probably it's because they outsourced the delivery and they're probably they've given it to Deliveroo. And some poor sod who put my biopsy cancerous cells on their burrito. Mm,
1: Is it gluten-free? It's Is it gluten-free? Yeah. <laughs> I'll eat it anyway. All of that. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then one day this sort of woman pretty much at reception who said, well, you need to come in for another biopsy because we lost the first one. We need to see what sort of cancer you've got. And I said, what sort? Of I didn't know I got cancer. Well, of course you have, she said. and. uh that was how I found out. That was how they gently broke it to me.
1: Blimey, okay. But
2: then once, you're, once, they, once they know that you've got it, they're a- astonishingly magnificent. I could not fault a single moment of them for the last four or five months. They've been astonishing, really. And and uh, uh, and then it's been and now it's sort of all right, really, they, I think. I don't know. They've got to test me in that, but I think it's probably all right. But I feel fine. I feel good as gold now. Do you? So I feel a bit guilty when people go, "Oh dear, don't don't lift that," and <laughs> oh. I'll get it for you. Just
1: say, just say, "Yes, I'm not marvelous today, dear." <laughs> <laughs> use it, use yeah.
2: the young. Use the young. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, uh, yes, I'm. I'm fine. I can't. I've got no saliva. This is where we come in, isn't it? I've got no yeah. saliva glands. They've been battered, so with no saliva, so uh, to to eat anything. Like a cornflake. If I ate a cornflake, <laughs> I would then have to have about half a pint of water to wash it down. You oh, know?
1: Mark, that's not nice.
2: No.
1: So are you eating anything?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a kebab yesterday, but it took me about seven hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not. It's not funny, but somehow... It is funny. Somehow it's because they're always really horrible when they're cold. So, mm. so actually, yeah... <laughs> but tasty <laughs> i suppose it's the flavor you well having.
2: not no, my taste buds are mangled they're all over the place oh, my God. i'm like a so uh i i'd no idea i'm just sort of getting the hang of it now but like an apple might taste like fairy liquid and then um a carrot might taste like um a a, a glass of Tizer. There's just no knowing i'm like a little walking surrealist form of of living.
1: That's so extraordinary. And do you think is that gonna get better? Will your carrots It'll get better. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it'll get better, but I don't know how much better. So there might still be a point even a year or two down the line where suddenly I sort of have a I don't know, I have some John West tin salmon and my body is telling me that it's a box of cocoa pops.
1: (laughs) I don't know <laughs> what <laughs> that- <that's> the <laughs> that- I don't know why that's... Because it's such a personal trauma. It's like no one else has any idea of what, yeah. what you're going through. I mean, that is life, isn't it? It's all, no one knows what each individual is going through. They're, people have be watching you, and they have no idea of what you're tasting. Uh, Your no. perception of the world will alter. So it's not, really not funny. My friend... Yeah. Well, I
2: might But conversely, yeah. I might sit there. They're chewing a ball of wool, and people up "What the fuck are you doing?" And I go, "Oh, this is like Dover sole with yes. a slice of lemon."
1: oh yeah, and yeah, much much cheaper. You know, you, I'm so it's awful, really. It's awful. I do hope it does get it's not
2: awful. It's quite funny.
1: It's, oh, bless your heart.
2: <laughs>
1: and your salivary glands will come mm. back into play. We hope.
2: Well, we have to hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to, we have to hope so. But Who'd have thought? Yeah, I, I was. Um, and the mucus, this mucus was just that was in the bad days of you know a month ago. I just somehow it's connected to the mucus, so I just couldn't stop producing mucus right, okay, we can ever.
1: Stop this right now because I'm feeling really sick. <laughs>
2: yeah, sorry. I I wrote an article for the Daily Mail. They wanted me to write an article about uh, how cute. my experience would, yeah. would oh, be sorry. different, that similar means- or different from. No, well, about the, how my, my experience would be similar or different from that of the His Majesty. Ooh. And I said, so the, the early stages of it where you're ringing the hospital and trying to get through and all that, there's yeah. never likely to be a point where, there you go, uh, BBC goes, and breaking news, I'm being told that His Majesty is currently uh, number nine <laughs> in the queue <laughs> he's being held in the queue he's pressed 1 and then 3 and then 2 4 he was mistakenly put through to the maternity ward <laughs> then he was cut off then he rang back, back again
1: to the moon that's their background music yeah 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 but um but after that so uh,
2: after that so then i wrote a bit about but then king or not yeah um, It'll still have to go through this sort of thing, depending yeah. on what sort of uh, where the cancer is and so on. And then I wrote a description of what it was like—the mucus and I was saying the coffee and that never ends. And I was saying it's industrial amounts, a bit like an oil field, a bit like the start of there would be blood.
1: treatment—that's a reaction to the treatment, is it? That's
2: a reaction to the treatment. That's not the cancer, so it just won't stop, and it's all night and all that. And I was trying to be funny about it. Yeah. And uh, the, the bloke who uh, the, the mirror rang me back, and he went, "Oh my god, this is horrible." <laughs> Oh, so I was supposed to be funny, he went, <laughs> funny, it's
1: horrible.
2: <laughs> Readers will just be going, oh, my
1: God. print this. <laughs> this is unspeakable. The mirror's
2: in enough trouble as it is. <laughs> but this will do far more damage than Harry saying we've hacked his phone.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, God, you've hacked up. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: Now, I'm going to get some water and then we've got to talk about something very important. All
1: right. I'm on my own now. I can say whatever I like now, can't I? Because Mark's not there. What I will say as I'm on my own, he's going to get some water, is that whilst I'm I'm on my own, I'm just telling the listeners something about me. I've just noticed that you and I in this picture, I never realised quite how alike our noses are. Mm. (laughs) I. Jasmine, my nose is getting much, much bigger as I get older, and I think our noses are quite similar.
2: Well, I was adopted, so maybe we're brother and sister. In which case, it's probably just as well that you didn't tell me in that day.
1: I love, I love your. I mean, it's so. It was so interesting. Yes, maybe we are related. Um, but, mm. no, but it's so interesting. I, I, that story is absolutely incredible, and you tell it Mad, so it? brilliantly. Anyone who hasn't heard that, I think people, everyone's heard that. That that um. You, is it a radio series? It's an it?
2: audio book now. Audio There's about eight or nine hours of it that you yeah, can... people uh, should
1: listen to it because it is absolutely, A, hilarious, funny, moving, brilliant, but it's such a great story. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. What's it called?
2: Who, who Do I Think I Am?
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If you haven't heard it, people listening to this, do listen thank to it. You. It's fantastic.
2: But now we must talk about matters multicultural because yeah. you have a book out.
1: I do. It's called Drawn to the Garden, and I've illustrated it and yes. written it. And I thought – because I've been a keen gardener all my life, really. Um, actually, yeah. Yeah. But And I've also drawn and painted all my life. And so during COVID, I – didn't have anywhere to show off so I started doing an Instagram account um, called CQ Gardens and I started to talk to other gardeners and post about gardening and all that kind of stuff and uh, little bits of drawing and painting anyway it went really well it was amazing it was like there was a whole group of people out there who don't really have much interest in telly but really are interested in gardening and I suddenly found a whole group of people I could talk to and I've written a book and illustrated a book called Drawn to the Garden and which come I think it's today. Day. Is it today or tomorrow, Ooh. it comes out anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's that been a whole new, uh, really, really lovely thing. Well, I can
2: tell you that it works because we're by about page six. Yeah. Uh, and I'm someone who's never, not only am I someone who's not probably the first person to watch gardening programs, but I have a, a unique ability when it comes to ulticulture in that I can kill anything. I don't know how I do it. I go there's a lovely, lovely shop at the top of the here, and they a plant shop, not a posh one at all. In fact, <laughs> this uh, really nice Jamaican man sort of in there, and he he says, "I, I say I want something that is impossible to kill." And he go, "Well, this one you can't, you don't do anything. You don't you just water it once a month. Don't overwater it. Put it in the corner. Put it by some light. It just absolutely sorts itself out. That's perfect for you." And six weeks later, I go back in. I go, "It's dead, mate." Not well, fucking leaf left.
1: Well, that's really hard because people keep saying to me, I kill everything, I'm no good with plants. And I always say, no, there will be something. There will be something that you can grow. And I now, you've made me rather doubt that premise. That actually,
2: Yeah, but having plant. said that, by about page six of your book, I was thinking, oh, this looks delightful. I really should sort of engage in this a little bit more and put a bit of effort.
1: Give it a go. Sprinkle some seeds onto some compost on your window. So particularly, actually, if you're feeling a bit, crap and you know i think you know i mean i know you're very kind of you know being stoic about it but i mean there must be times when you think god i feel dreadful you could actually maybe one of your tiny nibbles could be a little bit of something you've grown like a little bit of basil or kale oh
2: yeah wouldn't that be good
1: they're so tasty i don't know what they would taste of to you obviously yes exactly
2: (laughs) i could grow a courgette and go yeah "Oh."
1: oh Beef up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you could grow, you could grow something, and and actually, just the act of sprinkling a few seeds and watching them grow mm. is so brilliant when you're feeling low. I think
2: oh, I love that you mentioned the blotting paper because I remember trying to do that at that, school.
1: Yeah, I think I think I don't know how old you are, but my generation were it was everything was blotting paper. Everything, everything, blotting paper was very much part, pink blotting paper was very much part of my world when I was growing up. We you know, we used it because we used to use um, ink pens. Um, so, blotting paper was used for growing cress seeds, it was used for ink, it was probably, I don't know, toilet
2: think, paper probably.
1: Definitely, it's really absorbent. Um, so, yeah, no, I th- I think, yeah, there was a lot. We did a lot of growing. I don't know if they still do it in primary schools, but we grew things. We grew hyacinths. You know, you used to put them on two cocktail sticks and hang them over water, and then a hyacinth would come. It was magical, actually. It really was magical. There's something you wrote
2: there that I thought was really, uh, that really, uh, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. And it's an obvious thing, but it's something I don't necessarily always think of, that with gardening, There's something innately optimistic about it because it's for the future. So it's you're sort of creating something that is that is only going to come to fruition at a point in the future.
1: Yeah, I think I think you could say that. No, we are. I mean, I you know in the book, I think I say something like you know every seed is basically a hopeful gesture. Everything Mm. because you put it into a little dark patch of earth, and you are inherently kind of optimistic because you know are certain that some little green shoot unless you're you obviously and you kill it immediately by being near it but you know it, it will a little green shoot will appear and and there is something so joyful about that and hopeful and you know and also there's you know it's the if you fail it's not the end of the world because a packet of seeds have probably cost you about one pound 49 and you get a about a hundred seeds. So even right. if one of those seeds comes up, I think that's a great investment. I really would encourage people to do it. I think it's so good for one. What the
2: fuck is going on? Yeah, it sounds my. It sounds my. I think my problem is just that having to, I'd f- forget to go back and do the routine things.
1: Yeah, just what Wolf's you
2: know, doing. Yeah, because you need to sort of keep going back every. It's the, it's it's a thing for me. A task that is. The, the most difficult to accomplish is one where every day I've got to spend 30 seconds on it. That to me, because I just forget. Seriously? Yeah.
1: What, so, okay, I'm just wondering if you could tie it in with something else. Like you could say, okay, I've cleaned my teeth um, yeah. or I've, I've done well, it's something you do every day. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you do every day, <laughs> but something that takes you a short amount of time to do every day. And- I forget these.
2: So I'm holding up a bottle of 40 sip, drink here which is what until about the last week when i can start to sort of eat again i've been relying on putting these in a, in a little tube into my stomach and there's been days where i thought Oh Christ! I forgot to feed. I forget to feed. I forget to water myself.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a born gardener, definitely. If you, can't, <laughs> you can't remember to put some fluid into your own body, I'm not hopeful about um, some <laughs> lettuce seeds. I'm really not. On the <laughs> other hand, you could. If you, those two thoughts, if you could, that if that if that neural pathway could be linked. You can mm. make that, I will feed myself and I will water my seeds. If that neural pathway connects, mm. you might, your whole life might improve dramatically.
2: The next thing, I've got prize-winning rhododendrons.
1: I'm sorry to hear that. It's bad enough. Having- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a great line that would have been in 1969, <laughs> wouldn't it? Let's do that again, right? But now it's, a, it's, a sat- it's Saturday night. Uh, So, you ask if I've been gardening.
1: How are you, Mark? You've been gardening?
2: I have. I've got prize winning rhododendrons. Oh,
1: I'm sorry to hear that. It's bad enough you've had the ( ceramics) cancer. I've written us a theme tune there. Never mind, oh. Detective. We've got. So
2: I've had many- terrible trouble ex- extracting me as <laughs> I
1: can see that from here. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Make <has> us <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy.
2: So, uh, Phil Clark told me, right? <laughs> Phil Clark at the time, I yeah. think, was the commissioning editor for comedy at Channel 4. Yeah. And I don't know if you've come across him.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Phil.
2: So, and a lovely man, and he was a really splendid chap, and he got into a bit of gardening, and he was out doing pruning something or something, and he caught his uh, hand on a, a really big grimy thorn. And about 20, he was wearing this sort of old gardener smock, he said, and he didn't have his glasses on because he was out gardening. And then after about half an hour, this thorn, a big blister, and the stuff had come up. So, he we went down to the the... Uh, the doctors. I went down to the chemists and they gave him a thing to sign that they you know, they was giving him some cream. And he had this old gardening smock on that was covered in bits of grass and mud. And he didn't have his glasses on. So they gave him this sort of they said, Oh, you've got to sign this. And they gave him the prescription. And he said, And because I didn't have any glasses, I looked at it for about a minute and I was trying to work out where I was supposed to sign it. And I had this gardener smock. <laughs> and he said, And the woman went, Oh, don't worry, Mr. Clark. I'll sign it yourself if you can't write. Because <laughs> there was something about the image of him with this sort of. You <laughs> so must have thought he was like, oh, I, I never I know right? to write. I do so begonias.
1: A- <laughs> oh, <my laughs> and he was like a missioning
2: editor for Channel 4 comedy at the time. <laughs> don't worry, Mr. Clark. <laughs> anyway, the point is that it is a it's all part of your all part of feeling zen and at one with the world
1: it is it's good for you it's good for you if you can't I always think you know because I've suffered from all sorts of kind of depression and stuff in my time and I think you know I I still find the very best thing for you know I've tried you know medication and stuff like that and I and it just what that just flattened me out so completely that I didn't I felt kind of almost nothing and so actually I find the best thing for me to do is to get outside be in nature listen to the birds plant something do you know be involved with with the natural world that's that it helps me and i think it helps a lot of people actually you know people that are in touch with me i've got Followers in like in all over the world. I mean, I I right. talked to people in America, in Canada, in New Zealand, in I mean, in in Ireland. I got you know people gardeners really love talking about gardening. I mean, I I understand this podcast is not about gardening, so I'm not going to do that now. But honestly, if you, if you were a gardener, we could probably talk until the sun sets about gardening because it is so fascinating and so good for us, and we are quite evangelical about it. Um, and I think. It's rescued me. It's rescued me from lots of sort of uh, times of real low mood. You know, it really has helped.
2: Well, there is, well, there, here is where the sort of gardening world and probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast, where the the, the lines would cross for everyone mm. is that well, there is one obvious one is that the most famous uh, allotment owner of recent years was Jeremy Corbyn.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, God. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, actually, and- yeah have you had him on I did on this
2: no if he could come on the thing I would like to ask him is this so I read about this in in Owen Jones' book yeah. that there's an account I can't remember who it was from but one of his sort of allies in the Labour Party at the time who said that during one of the shadow cabinet meetings uh, it was somebody had said oh it's the Her Majesty's birthday <clears throat> and it is tradition protocol that the uh, part that the opposition gives her a present every year. So he come in after the next shadow cabinet meeting and they went, oh, have you got the present? They, you know, the, the, whatever they were discussing, whatever else was going on. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Have you got a present? And he said, yeah, I've got some jam from my allotment. I've made some jam
1: Ooh, from the allotment
2: and I'm going to give that to the, to her majesty. And it was in a jar that he'd sort of even done the little label himself like yeah. people do you know put yeah. the label I to that, like
1: me, to the think. queen
2: you know master. and then yeah. some, and then he got called out and he had to go and they went oh god well, I suppose we better give this to the queen and then Emily Thornbury or one of the others went well at least, at least let's put it in a better jar because this is some old sort of Kenko coffee jar or something so we'll put it in a proper jar and <laughs> And they said that the, she opened the jar and it was all mouldy, the, the top of the, the jam.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can't give her that. The, the Daily Mail will say he's been trying to kill the Queen. He,
1: he hadn't sterilised his jar properly, had he? No, that's
2: probably it. Is that it?
1: It is that. Yeah, if you don't sterilise it, they go mouldy very, very quickly. Either that or it was an absolute <laughs> deliberate attempt. To,
2: <laughs> the to take to, one, to,
1: one, uh, one spoonful of jam at a time.
2: <laughs> yeah, to undermine the monarchy by making a game.
1: Ew. It's rather bitter. <laughs> I think. I think you should get Jeremy Corbyn on this program.
2: <laughs> I do. To think- talk about the allotments. Well, <laughs> she, he'd be more with with you. He'd be he'd be big on it, wouldn't yeah.
1: he? Yeah, he would. He'd love it. He'd love it but i think that uh,
2: i can see how the um the whole world of allotments the world yeah the world of allotments let's say that is that's quite a social and political issue isn't it because
1: no 100% 100% it is <clears throat> The, mm. the right to be an allotment here is is a is an ancient right actually, and people nowadays are realising they have a right to a strip of land and to grow their own food. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, it was a very it was a politically active um, movement, the allotmenteers. You know, it, it, because anciently, you know, people, you know, had um, oh god, my memory. This is what I do. You know, but pe- piecemeal farming. Stri- you know, stri- we learned about it in school. Um, you'd each get given a strip of land. Even even if the land was all owned by the you know, the baron or whatever, you had a right to grow crops. And it was hard won and hard fought for to maintain that. And in and in recent years, people have started to actually say to their councils, "No, we we still have a right to, to grow um, our own food." And I think increasingly we sort of want to, because we don't want things flown from all over the world. We don't we don't want stuff that's you know had chemicals on it. We we are aware that pesticides are absolutely destroying the bee population and therefore everyone's means of of, um, of pollinating crops. You know, it's a really it's 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 an act of, of 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 rebellion to demand your right to, to
2: yeah 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 well it's quite and it, there's a sort of i suppose it does flow from well one of the the most militant um <clears throat> movements in all history in this country i'm sure in lots of other countries was the right to common land wasn't yeah. it And when the enclosures happened over a period of two or three hundred years
1: exactly, exactly.
2: <clears throat> that was sort of in a way that was a long Version of say what Stalin did in Russia, forcing people into collective farms over a period of twenty years, over it, it happened over a period of two hundred years that people were forced off the common land, and the uh, the and then there was the right to ramble you know in the early 1900s massive massive campaigns and landowners would well, well, Olivia, fire on the ramblers wouldn't they no,
1: exactly you know the, the right you know that 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 right to enjoy um, the countryside whether it be to to grow you know crops for your family or just to walk in the hills that are outside your industrial town you know, when you spend all, all, you know, all week in a in a mill, you know, the right to actually head out and get some fresh air into your lungs. I mean, it's and it and I think people have always recognised the power of it and the fact that we have a right to it. And it's and I I find that kind of I find it quite moving actually that that desire for people to maintain a connection to the earth.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely, completely. Oh, I think it's a it, it's a you know it's a it's a beautiful thing. I don't think it's a thing to be. Uh, dismissed at all i just wish i was more competent with it
1: well you know from little acorns you know exactly oaks grow and you should by the end of today you could have something growing on your windowsill just like jeremy corbyn
2: <laughs> by the end of today well, yeah, because- maybe is it because i'm too impatient because i'd sort of be i'd put a seed there on the bit of blotting paper i'd go and make a cup of tea <clears throat> i'd sort of um i'd do a couple of answer an email and then i'd think oh, I wonder if I've got a cabbage yet.
1: Yeah. that is, And part, then I'll go back. Yeah, that is part of, part of me. I, I do stand over seed trays screaming, come on, come on. You know, <laughs> and I, and I'm a, that is who I am. But but actually it's taught me that with some things, you only have to wait about four days. I mean, even little children. Day like it. Yeah, honestly, if you, if you plant, do you know microgreens? Do you know what I mean by that? You know, if you go to a posh restaurant no. and, and they put microgreens on your food, it's like a tiny, oh, yeah. of ti- it's basically the first cutting of something like either coriander or basil or one of those things. Oh, and they, right. They're, okay. They're full of vitamins. I mean, f- this is what I'm saying. It would be good for you to grow them actually. Um, just uh, sprinkle it on some on some soil and, and you do have to wait a couple of days, not very long, it really isn't. And I'm going to do it. Yeah, and then you trim them off and they are full of vitamins and they're strong flavours, really strong flavours. And they're so good for you. So I think even if if you could bear, I mean, you do go and shout at them because I do. I scream at everything when I put it in. <laughs> Something "I mean, it's like, where are you? I put you in yesterday. Can't hear." You know. But but actually, they do eventually. They show up quite quickly. Some, particularly lettuces, anything in the lettuce family, lola rosso, or any of those things will grow quite fast. And you can start snipping them once they're about whatever length of your finger. You, you can start snipping the tops off and sprinkling them on your food or cress. You know, old school. Cress in, a, in an in sandwich, yeah. and you you get the you know there's so much joy to be had from planting it. It's interesting. It's fun. It takes moments, but it's lovely. Putting it on a windowsill, keeping it damp if you can remember. And you don't need, you only need to water it once every couple of days. It's not like you have to kind of you know, right. you know. And then they come up in a couple of days, and you've grown it, and you eat it, and it's it could be the beginning of a lifelong love affair with horticulture. I really believe it. I really believe it.
2: I am won over partly by your words, but also partly by the passion Oh. in equal measure. Yeah. And I would very, very it's been lovely. Joe, this is the longest uh, chat I've ever done on this podcast. Oh, usually 15 minutes. And oh. I'm sort of thinking,
0: <laughs> fucking
2: we're <laughs> going on a bit. Aren't but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm fucking, I you know, know be- the Tories are terrible, but you don't yeah. need a fucking go yeah. about it. But yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, but well, not I, today. I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I am passionate about it, and I, and I do, I do, I genuinely think we could all have a go at it. That's what, that's the only thing I'd say. And I think the link then to the, to the whole thing is joyful. I, that's what I'd say.
2: Caroline, one last question. So, uh, the name of the book again?
1: That is that the last question? Mm. Oh, it's called Drawn. to It the comes
2: world. in two parts. What's, what's the name <laughs> of the book? And then what's the best way to, to the book
1: get it i'm glad you gave me a bit of a heads up because i'm not very good at that so it's called drawn to the garden it's published by quarto you can get it in lots of different ways oh i should know this oh (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh I love this. Selling things. No. Uh,
2: I love this. This is why an American now, an American go, right, it's just an amazing book and it's already it's up for 23 different awards and uh, be all that. Oh, no, um, you can buy it here. You can get
1: it. You can get it um oh, I should, this is something I really should know this. Um <laughs> If you put
2: drawn to the garden, stones. Caroline. You can get it from
1: Waterstones. You can get it from Waterstones. You can get it from there. You can get it um on Amazon from Waterstones. From my, you can click on my um, you know, Instagram account. Uh which sees they are. gardens. They are, any of those ways. Or you can come around my house <laughs> and I'll sell you yeah. a copy at the door.
2: Fantastic. Do that. Thank you so much. I know what the fuck is going on, at least in one area of the world, which is yeah. lettuce. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod, at WTFIsGoingOnPod, and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the Fuck is Going On it was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Caroline Quentin. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the Fuck is Going On it was brought to you by WTF Productions.